0: Hey, CS CSJoseph, CSJoseph.life doing another episode on social compatibility. We're gonna be doing episode nine, I believe, of the social compatibility season or playlist here on YouTube or the podcast. And today's type that we're going to be discussing is the ENFP because we're on this ENFP splurge right now for some reason, but that's what we're doing. So. The advocate <clears throat> informative initiating a movement for their interaction style informative means they have a lot of subtext and they, and the context changes what they say, what they mean, etc. initiating means that they initiate with people instead of waiting for people to come to them, they like to go to other people sometimes you know with their foot on someone 's neck as they 're extracting that data out of their skull so that they can have that information themselves for whatever their daily conquest needs are of course because I mean, ENFP, they're literally thought vampires, you know? Gotta stick that thing in that person's head and just suck. All that juice out, stick it in here. You know what I mean? That's what ENFPs do. Gotta store up those reference points. Their mini library of Alexandria, ISTJ subconscious because who doesn't want the mini library of Alexandria and their skull to be able to pull up those reference points. I mean, come on, Tai is and ENFP because for some reason I mentioned him a million times is in Mensa because I mean, kind of interesting how it is because I wonder if Mensa would realize that ENFPs are technically without thought. Oh, but they score really high in IQ. Great, I could have a really IQ too if I have amazing rationale and only care about beliefs and reality and have no logos whatsoever because for some reason IQ tests value ethos more than they value logos. Have you ever thought of that? Kind of weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it's because I don't really put much stock in IQ tests. I actually took an IQ test once and they claimed that I had an IQ of 108. Do you think that's true? Yeah, no, definitely not. But that's what they said. But apparently, you know, they're the experts, right? And I must not know what the hell I'm talking about because, you know, I don't have a degree or credentials in uh, psychology. So, I mean, obviously, why the hell listen to me? Anyway, ENFPs, also very movement oriented. In fact, they're triple movement. They move quickly constantly, always moving all the time, many plates spinning in their hands all the time constantly juggling everything that they're doing. Uh, I know this one, Ian FB, who is a contractor. He owns a railing company and he's juggling clients and juggling suppliers and juggling wife and children and juggling church and juggling community and juggling a football team and juggling everything. Yes, he owns the football team, but the point is He's all over the place. Gosh, what is it with ENFPs and wanting to own football teams? I know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's an ENFP. And he's trying to like own the New York Jets because for some reason he actually likes the New York Jets. But you know what, more power to him. At least somebody likes the New York Jets because they need all the like they can get. It would be nice to see the New York Jets actually win the Super Bowl for once. Kind of like how the Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl recently. That was nice because, you know, I'm from Seattle. But just saying, it would be really nice to see the New York Jets actually, you know, accomplish something and uh, get their team rolling. You know, if they could get a nice coach, that could, you know, understand the concept of no huddle offense, I'm sure that'd be pretty dope. But you know, an ENFP, especially Gary Vaynerchuk, may disagree with me and I would have to defer to his knowledge on the subject anyway, because I'm just not that great. I can't do fantasy football to save my life anyway. So why the hell do I have an opinion? I don't really. I'm just kind of making it up as I go along. You know, Johnny Depp style. Captain Jack Sparrow. Is he making it up or is he planning it all along? Yeah, he's making it up. It's called chaotic neutral. You know, welcome to ENTPs, we're chaotic neutral. But chaotic good, that is the ENFP. They're trying to be good and they're very chaotic with that. We'll actually do a series on tropes. Hold me to that guys, we will be doing a series comparing each type with which trope they are: chaotic evil, chaotic neutral, lawful evil, lawful good, true neutral, etc. You will have all of that information available at your fingertips, etc. So, ENFPs, the advocates, always advocating for other people's ideas, researching, getting those reference points, like Ty Lopez, because he got into Mensa, because. He read a lot of books and he collects those reference points and it's really he's just regurgitating that data and then adding his uh, you know personal sense of idealism, his creed to it. Not so much his personal philosophy, that's the INFP. I am talking about the creed, and it is the creed of the ENFP from which they have and filter out all and lens, you know, the lens that they're looking at, all those reference points and all that data that they're doing within their internal library of Alexandria and pre-packaging that information and shipping it out back to you so that you change your thinking. Perhaps you grow an intelligence or at least you pull out your wallet and you buy that one thing from the ENFP because that's really what they want at the end of the day, your money. And they'll be happy to give you everything you'd ever want so long as you'd be willing to give them that dollar bill. Anything works out just fine. And that's why ENFPs are amazing salesmen because they are all about what you want. ENFPs, any hero, all about what you want. And they are all about how they feel. They're all about what other people think. And they don't care what they think. They care about what everyone else thinks because they're all about whatever people think. Their reputation, my reputation, my feelings. Welcome to ENFPs. You know, it's kind of like that guy that I went after an ENFP one time and destroyed his reputation in public on Reddit and he kept on making fake profiles on Reddit, trying to talk himself up and try to increase his reputation amongst the eyes of other people. It was really absolutely pathetic, but that's what he did and he was really immature. Not to say most ENFPs would do that, but he became so depraved and so selfish and so focused on what other people think of him because his self-worth is tacked on what other people think of him because you know, welcome to ENFPs. but. He just really went overboard and it was like, wow, dude, way to just kind of try to lie to everyone, even though everyone basically knows it's you doing it because you're the only one that does that. So yeah, how about you just leave our subreddit and leave us alone? That'd be nice. Wow. But I mean, that's how far they can go with their advice of depravity. So thank God we have INFJs. Thank God you exist because INFJs with their integrity and as long as they are not being corrupt or allowing the ENFP to corrupt them because they will end up mirroring the ENFP over time, luckily that integrity can cause that ENFP to behave righteously and be charitable and get them out of their depravity rut, thank God. Why is that? Well, because ENFPs are super social compatible, high highest with INFJs. Why is that? Well. For those listening on the podcast, let us go through the compatibility for the ENFP, starting with NJs. NJs have highest compatibility in general with ENFPs, followed by SPs, followed by fellow NPs, followed by SJs, right? And then the next level in the algorithm, we have the NFJs, the highest, followed by STPs, followed by NTJs, followed by SFPs, followed by SFJs, followed by NTPs, followed by STGs, STJs followed by NFPs to begin with. And now, the 16 types in order of compatibility with ENFPs, social compatibility according to friendship, because remember, social compatibility equals face-to-face relationships, multiplied by shoulder-to-shoulder relationships, and then average with the weighted average to create social compatibility, aka friendship compatibility, right? Because we wanna know who we can be friends with from a deep to shallow spectrum. The higher you are on the list, the deeper the friendship, the lower on the list, the more shallow or more acquaintancy or at shoulder length or from a distance it is with ENFPs, right? That's how they are. Gosh, I love saying, right? Right, a million times. Thank you for pointing that out because I say that all the time, right? Yeah, I'll try to like maybe reduce it. Maybe I won't, who knows, but ENFPs. Top 16 are INFJ number one, ENFJ number two, ISTP number three, ESTP number four. Wow, you never saw that coming. I'm not even kidding, ESTP number four, and we're gonna talk about that, it's really interesting. INTJ is number five, ENTJ is number six, ISFP is number seven, ESFP is number eight, nine is ISFJ, 10 is ESFJ, 11 is INTP, 12 is me, the ENTP, that's right. Not much compatibility there. 13 is ISTJ, 14 is ESTJ, 15 is INFPs and 16 fellow ENFPs because obviously we've been doing, this is the eighth or technically the ninth of the social compatibility uh, series that we've been doing. And I have been trying to tell people that you don't want to be friends with yourself have an acquaintance relationship, keep them at arm's length because eventually you're just gonna get to some point of competition. Oh, but no, Mr. Joseph, that's not how it works because I'm really, I'm an INTP and I'm really good friends with a fellow INTP. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're probably mistyped or maybe they're mistyped, so you kind of don't know. They're probably an INTJ or maybe you're really an INTJ. Those same type relationships are just super mega rare. It can happen, but due to camaraderie, and now the disclaimer that I always do, cognitive redundancy, because not every type is compatible with every type. So we have this thing called built-in camaraderie, which means an INFP and an ENFP could be friends. They could have, you know, decent mojo and work out together and hang out. Wouldn't recommend being in a romantic relationship. Wow, that bedroom scenario with NFPs, No, Uh, I mean, that would freak people out. They couldn't even make money on a porno doing that. There's just like, no, that, that, that wouldn't even work. I don't recommend that. But the point is, is that when it comes to NFPs or ENFPs, they have high camaraderie. Camaraderie does not equal compatibility though. And we're talking about compatibility, functional compatibility, where the functions fit together like a puzzle, right? We've been talking about that. They fit together like a puzzle and we're all just little puzzle pieces in a grander puzzle because all of human cognition is all of the 16 types connected together with all of the f- cognitive functions where we have a giant picture and that's literally God looking in the mirror and he sees the human race looking back at him And we're just little puzzle pieces of God as he's created us, the human race. And there's these 16 different little puzzle pieces. And they all have different dimensions of eight cognitive functions multiplied by four sides of the mind. And it's just super freaking complicated. It's like the largest Rubik's Cube you've ever seen, right? Like, seriously, be aware of that. Oh, gosh, don't you just love the argument where you can start... Telling people about how macroevolution is a sham because macroevolution is based on chaos theory. Gotta love chaos theory, right? Because, wait a minute, why is that? Well, because in order for macroevolution to be true, I'm channeling my inner Bill Nye. Isn't it great? So, in order for macroevolution to be true, you know, that means we have this thing called chaotic mutation. And let me tell you something, people. If chaotic mutation was actually true, our souls you know, because our types will be very chaotic and we'd have a bit more cases of psychosis than we actually do. Why is that? Well, it's because our cognitive functions are structured in the same way every single time, right? And they're like, oh, but that's based on genetics. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. There's not actually technically any basis on genetics to state that there's any cognitive functions affected by genetics. Yes, there is. No, there's not. And we've been trying to do research on that for like the last 15 years and they keep having inconclusive results. Mostly because a human being is nature, which is their type. There's nurture coming together and then you have environment. And then if you really want to get hokey, you can add the spirituality component. And that's basically like a four dimensional yin and yang equilibrium Venn diagram for the human experience. And nature only affects one part and where is the genetics in that model? Yeah, it's not there. The point is, macroevolution. If macroevolution was actually true, we would have chaotic personalities. Our cognitive functions—you'd end up having two extroverted cognitive functions and two introverted, you know, lower cognitive functions in your ego, right? It would be random. It would be chaotic. It's not random, right? Which means I have no choice but to accept intelligent design is more real because intelligence begets intelligence. Macroevolution couldn't technically be true at that point, you know. But I do agree with microevolution. I absolutely think natural selection and microevolution is absolutely pivotal to our species and to our environment here on planet Earth. Absolutely important. But macroevolution not really and I just can't agree with macroevolution because of you know psychology, right? Uh, because if that was the case, we would be random and we're not random. Our minds are in a set structure and they fall into a set structure every single time. It's been this way always and there is no evidence to suggest that it's going to change because we continue to be part of these 16 types. So how does that fit into compatibility with ENFPs? Because remember puzzle pieces, right? If, we are the, if every human being is going to be one of these puzzle pieces and some puzzle pieces are more common than others, which makes sense, right? Because you only have so many puzzle pieces that have the border, right? You know, the outside, the edge, and you always start with those first, right? Think about that. And then you have the puzzle pieces that fit together really well with a lot of other puzzle pieces, more so than others. People would often agree that the INFJ or the ENFJ, those two types fit together pretty much pretty well with almost anyone, or even ENFPs, right? or INFPs, they fit really well. Those are the idealists. Did you notice that? Like it's almost seems like the idealists fit together with everyone in almost every situation. Kind of odd how that works. Think about that. It's all about the puzzle piece. And ENFPs would agree that they are, because they're so people oriented because they're idealistic, they can interface with almost anyone. And they honestly do believe that INFJs would also agree with that standpoint. So when you're looking at NFs, keep that in mind because their compatibility can actually get stretched a little bit more, or their camaraderie, to be honest, could be get stretched a little bit more because they're able to actually interface with SJs and SPs on a grander scale. It's very interesting. Now, you could make the argument that NTs could as well, uh, but the difference is is that NTs are even rarer in some cases than the NFs. Like take uh, an ENTJ or an INTJ woman, they just don't really exist. So keep that in mind. Their rarity really changes. The amount of available puzzle pieces in the grand picture that is all human cognition is different. And when we're talking about macroevolution versus microevolution, microevolutionary speaking, we need cognitive redundancy so that we can have either camaraderie or compatibility or both to relate to fellow human beings because it's necessary for our survival on this earth, right? Because human beings have to work together in order to achieve something. So how do ENFPs work together with other types from a social compatibility standpoint, right? Let's continue. ENFPs and INFJs, we're only gonna do the top four, we're gonna do the bottom four as per usual with these lectures, let's continue. So, gosh, are you guys gonna like seriously get all like upset about my whole macro evolution argument? I mean, That's fine. If you want to argue that with me, that's fine. But I'm sorry, but psychology, like, no, but psychology is a pseudoscience. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, you'd have a better time debating that guy who runs the the creationism subreddit than talking to me about it. And I don't really care about organized religion. I don't really give a damn about that. What I care about is, you know, like the scientific method and, Psychologically speaking, I'm just not seeing the argument. You may disagree with me. If you have arguments you would like to make, let's have that discussion. It'd be awesome. Maybe we'll do a Q and A section on that on the side. That'd be be pretty dope. Anyway, ENFPs versus INFJs. So ENFPs are always aware of the INFJ and what they want and the INFJ is aware of what they want. So no conflict. The ENFP is always aware of how they feel and the INFJ is always aware of how they feel. No conflict. The ENFP is always aware of what the INFJ thinks and the INFJ is always aware of what they think, no conflict. The ENFP wants to be comfy and the INFJ seeks to make the ENFP comfy, no conflict. And thank God because the ENFP, ENFP receiving a good experience from their INFJ keeps them from going mega selfish and depraved because they're having all their comfy needs met and they're being made to feel good by their INFJ because the INFJ's contributions to the ENFPs. So instead of trying to seek that, those contributions from the world where they become super depraved, they don't have to do that because the INFJ is providing that to the ENFP personally and that actually prevents the ENFP from going super depravity mode and staying charitable because the ENFP is receiving contributions from the INFJ and thus, The ENFP is motivated to contribute to others and be charitable to others. It is amazing. Thank you INFJs for doing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us keep ENFPs uh, away from being the most selfish human beings you've ever met because of your constant contributions and constant usefulness to ENFPs because When you're doing that to ENFPs, ENFPs have the ability to start changing society, changing the narrative. In the same way that David Asprey, he's an ENFP. In the same way that Ty Lopez, he's an ENFP. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's an ENFP. I could go on. These ENFPs are changing culture on a regular basis. Whether you guys believe me or not, it's technically true. I mean, seriously, how many social media marketing agency things has Ty Lopez sold over like the last two years since it came out? He's making bank. He knows what he's doing, right? Or, or Gary Vaynerchuk, New York Times bestseller. If you haven't read his book, Crush It or Crushing It. What are you doing? And by the way, get the audio version, do yourself a favor because I mean, he goes off of tangents like way more than I do and it's hilarious and it's worth it. I recommend it. And no, he's not paying me to say that either. Uh, anyway, ENFP's worry about their own future. INFJ's worry about the ENFP's future and watches out for them in that regard. No conflict there. The ENFP is worried that the INFJ is a bad, or er, uh, criticizing the INFJ as a bad person and the INFJ already criticizes themselves as a bad person. So <laughs> no conflict there. The, I, the ENFP is not aware of what they think. Well, good thing because the INFJ is, has no clue what the ENFP thinks either. And then we have the, uh, okay, so uh, yes. The ENFP just does not really care about the experience it's giving to the INFJ and the INFJ doesn't want to receive an experience from the ENFP anyway, so no conflict. The point is, is that these are eight channels. These two brains or these two minds, these two souls are like radios. And they're tuning in each other at the exact frequency all the way across and everything is understood. And all the cognition is available to the function because extroverted functions are trying to consume introverted functions. And they are able to find what they're looking for directly across. This is why the INFJ is absolute highest compatibility for ENFPs. Then we have the ENFJ, which I love ENFJs and ENFP relationships. It is awesome. In them as much as INFJ relationships with ENFPs are awesome, this relationship really takes the cake. It's really cool. I've seen some amazing things because I've seen how super Caring. Yes, the INFJ is caring, but more of on a one by one basis. But when you pair an ENFP and ENFJ together, ENFJ is like interfacing with so many people because they're extroverted. They're trying to uh, to really be benevolent to as many people as they possibly can. And which inspires the ENFP to be as charitable with as many people as they can. And when they, you pair these two together, the activism, the, the amount of community development, the community organizing that happens. Like an ENFP like who's involved with the church, for example, could get his head together with an ENFJ and they could create a coalition of churches, for example. And that coalition of churches, instead of competing with each other for parishioners, would create a hospital from raised money that they have, which would bring the 3000 jobs to that place, which would bring a lot of new families, which would bring a lot of parishioners that all of the churches could benefit for, instead of like competing with each other for parishioners. And then, you know, that would, I hate it when they do that. I, I don't like church. And that's one of the reasons why, because 9% of all of the money that goes into a church makes it back out to the community. Wow, what a waste. Anyway, ENFPs plus ENFJs in that situation, cause I'm just using it as an example, would put a stop to that because they focus on people and they focus on together. the other becomes super mega charitable and some of the most charitable person you've ever met. And the ENFJ becomes super mega benevolent. Why is that? Well. It's because there is humility between the functions here because you have the parent function telling the hero how it needs to behave because the parent is being pessimistic towards the hero's behavior. It's like, wow, you're flying around saving the world but you're going to harm the children, stop it. And then then the hero is like, oh my bad, I'm not gonna harm the children anymore, you're right. And then the hero calms down. ENFP yeah, is like telling the hero on the ENFJ, wow, you're being way too caring. You need to slow your roll. You can't give away everything we own. That we won't have anything left for ourselves. Don't do that. And the ENFJ is like, oh yeah, my, my bad. I won't do that. You know? What's really great though is that TI Inferior, because of how it absolutely has to have its day in court, he can really keep TE Child honest. In the same way TI Child keeps TE Child honest, there can be some competition here but the TE child really has no choice, but to listen to the TI inferior, because if they don't, the TI inferior will go TE demon, and then they'll have someone in their demonic inverse, also known as their superego, completely up their butt. And that would be bad. And the ENFP does not want to have that experience, does not, it would not feel good about that. Not only that, the ENFJ has double bandwidth to make that ENFP super comfortable and is constantly concerning itself with making that ENFP comfortable. And it just loves the additional comfort that SE child is giving it. Yes, SE inferior is amazing for SI inferior, but so is SE child. And again, there's built in humility there because the ENFJ would defer to the ENFP's reference points with the TE child because it's got TE inferior, but the ENFP would also defer its comfort to the experience that the ENFJ is giving and willing to trust the the experience that the ENFJ is giving the ENFP. And again, all the cognition that the functions are looking for from a radio standpoint. And there's not very much interference here at all because there's no interference here, just a tiny bit, but it's necessary for humility. This is a fantastic relationship. Now, ENFP plus ISTP. uh, This is a very, very interesting relationship. Uh, Third highest and This is super common. Now, I have seen ENFPs and ESTPs get married more often than I have seen ENFPs plus ISTPs. That's my personal experience, that's just an anecdote. So I don't really know what's really the truth there, but I have seen ENFPs and ISTPs start businesses together more than any other type. The ENFPs got always some scheme going on, they loop in the ISTP and they get the ISTP to build it for them, right? And they, and, they, and they usually end up having these insanely good contracting firms, general contractor firms. The ENFPs like the CEO and the ISTPs is like the COO. And they're able to build these amazing companies together. The problem is, is that the ENFP can get super depraved and frustrate the ISTP, which could be an issue. But luckily the ISTP has an ENFJ in it for its subconscious and can use and plus TI hero, keeps the ENFP honest, right? Keeps them on that firm thing. The only thing is though, is that the ENFP can sometimes feel bad easily because the ISTP is insecure about making the ENFP feel bad and it may not feel good enough at times, right? But conversely, luckily the ISTP can make the ENFP uncomfortable if it needs to. And again, to keep it honest, to keep it loyal, to keep that ENFP disciplined. This is a great relationship because it really increases the self-discipline of the ENFP. Why is that important? SI inferior. Do not let ENFPs do what they want because that's their anti-nemesis. Have them focus on what they should do. They have to be obligated. And ISTPs are the best of all the types, in my opinion, in obligating others. People would think that an SE Hero, ISTP is really good at obligating others, but SE Hero is actually very optimistic. And because of its optimism, it's not as good as the pessimistic SE parent obligating people because ISTPs will force the obligation whereas an ESTP won't force the obligation. It's kind of interesting how that works, which can really, really do a good thing for the ENFP. And there's a lot of personal growth potential with ENFPs and ISTPs. ISTPs end up honing their ability for will, and they end up increasing their capability to interact with other people socially, which is really good. And the ENFP exposes the ISTP to uh, extroverting and going out on a regular basis and being with friends and hanging out, which is really good experience socially for the ISTP which increases their ability to be benevolent and teach other people their ENFJ subconscious. So this is a really good relationship and I highly recommend it for ENFPs. And uh, I don't know where they are in terms of commonality of marriage in the USA, but this is common based on my personal experience. ESTPs plus ENFPs that is. Uh, it's just this time it's the, uh, it's the hero going for the inferior instead of the uh, inferior going for the parent. Which can be nice. There's a lot of personal growth and development. The problem is the hero could be too much. The ENFB could be made too uncomfortable, or the ESTP uh, could end up having too much freedom and, and still get stuck with not knowing what they want. But the, the any hero can overwhelm the ESTP with too many options, basically, which just keeps the ESTP in analysis paralysis and they're not able to do it because it's just overloaded with the amount of options. So you have to be careful. So the hero functions need to kind of tone it down a little bit just to make sure the inferior functions are able to catch up with each other. But if they are able to tone it down as a result of coming to maturity, this is a fantastic relationship. Especially since ESTPs and ENFPs do business with each other on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of, um, there's not very much interference and the functions are able to get all the cognition that they're able to need, et cetera. But you know, the, the parent and the child is also engaged directly as well. Although this is a better setup with the parent and child, but on this parent and child, at least, uh, you know, I mean, there's a risk where it's like, wow, you're kind of childish with this thing. Why aren't you listening to me, TE child? Because TE child's just gonna do what it wants to do with what it listens to anyway, and TI parent may not appreciate that or if you child is trying to make the ENFP feel something or behave morally in some way, but sometimes FI parent's not going to listen to a child trying to tell it. So there is a potential for a slight amount of conflict, but definitely good for personal growth and in an, the relationship I would recommend. So that's it for the uh, top four compatible. Let's look at the bottom four in terms of compatibility. We have ENFPs and ISTJs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the demon is trying to consume the hero. That's not really going to work. Uh, the, uh, the 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 ISTJ is worried uh, about uh, the ENFP having enough experience and is constantly questioning the ENFP's ability uh, to know what they're doing. Constant TE parent is constantly querying ENFP, do you know what you're doing? And then ENFP like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And then the ISTJ just starts believing that the ENFP is stupid. And they actually label each other stupid. Whereas the ENFP is labeling the ISTJ heartless in some cases, which doesn't really affect, it uh, doesn't really help Fi Child very much. And the ISTJs labeling uh, the ENFP stupid and they just don't go with each other. And it just becomes a huge competition because they're trying to like, well, I, I'm trying to be like you, Mr. ISTJ, uh, Library of Alexandria, but I'm gonna prove to you that I'm actually better at it than you are, et cetera. And that just ends up being like, not, not the best situation. The competition is insane. Not only that, you have this huge bottleneck right here where all the functions are competing with each other uh, to get to where they're going. And there is no cognition within the ego. They have to go to the shadow to find the cognition. The distance they have to travel is a long, long long way. The distance between two points is a straight line, right? That's a lot of mental effort trying to get to the other side to have the interface. Similar as to this relationship here, ENFPs and ESTJs. ESTJs are super elitist with SE Critic an SE critic just eats the SI inferior for breakfast, absolutely eats it. And it just creates hatred within the ENFP towards them. Not only that, the ESTJ doesn't give a damn how the ENFP feels. Whereas the ISTJ must trying to like, at least try to maybe figure out what the ENFP feels. The ESTJ just doesn't care at all, does not give a damn about how the ENFP feels. Uh, does not care about the experience that ENFPs has, and will criticize the ENFP for not knowing what they're doing, for not having enough experience, and will be consistently making the ENFP as uncomfortable as possible. That's going to help. And then the IST, the ESTJ has no clue what they want to do, and the ENFP is trying to motivate the ESTJ to do anything. The ESTJ is just looking at the ENFP, going like what, because the ENFP is not going to be able to obligate the ESTJ into doing anything, because that's what motivates the ESTJ, because they have Si. Parent, good luck, that's not gonna work. All the functions have to travel a long distance and there's a lot of interference where they're crossing over each other trying to get to the shadow or the ego to get what they're looking for and they're just not going to give it. So again, I do not recommend ENFP plus ESTJ friendships. Not good. And then INFPs with ENFPs. Super high camaraderie because they're both NFPs and they can interface with each other on the fact that they're both NFPs. They're like brothers or sisters, you know what I mean? The, thing, the difference is, is that again, it's like ENFP is trying to motivate the INFP. That's not gonna work. And they're both trying to be comfortable at the same time with their introverted sensing, trying to get the other person to get to comfort them. That's not gonna work. They're trying to motivate each other's wills. That's not gonna work. They're both looking to each other to see who thinks what. Hey, what do you think about this? Well, I don't know. What do you think about this? Well, I don't know. You think anything's ever gonna get done with this relationship? No, it's not. It's not really. They can have a shoulder to shoulder relationship as they're interfacing with others, but having a face-to-face relationship, that's just not going to work. I don't recommend it. And of course, ENFP on ENFP. Yeah, no, that's just, it's like, who's the better ENFP at this point? This is not something I would recommend at all. Uh, Demon functions, eating uh, inferior functions for breakfast. That's going to go over well, you know, or... uh, or parent functions uh, dealing with uh, nemesis or a critic functions. That's gonna go over well. It's like it's like having a it's like having your mother and her mother fighting each other constantly. Wow, that's that's really gonna help. You know, again, why would you want to be in a deep friendship with yourself or someone who's exactly like you? Oh, there's we have so much in common. No, that's kind of a lie. You don't want that. And quite frankly, because they have all this in common, they don't really have anything in common because they're looking to each other to respond or initiate in a way that they need. And it's just not happening. So anyway, that concludes this lecture on social compatibility for ENFPs with a side rant about macroevolution. Didn't see that one coming, but I had to say it. Probably gonna be doing another lecture about macroevolution more direct and actually how chaos theory impacts the cognitive functions or how it would impact cognitive functions and why we're in a structure and why I just can't accept macroevolution, but how microevolution redundancy, cognitive redundancy actually is an aspect of microevolution, which is very interesting. Camaraderie versus compatibility, having both of those available to us, it is a fail safe so that human beings can still work together to reach common goals, even if they're not functionally compatible with each other from a cognitive function standpoint, it's actually pretty cool. So anyway, if you found this uh, lecture, educational, helpful, useful, uh, meaningful, insightful to you, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and on the podcast. If you have any questions about ENFPs and uh, what ENFPs are all about, or their social compatibility, or the types that they're compatible with, leave in the comments section and I will answer your comments. I read every comment on this channel, every single one. Yes, all of them. And also I have a ton of emails from you guys and I am getting through them. Thank you for your patience. I'm probably like a week in a backlog right now on emails at least. And I also have a bunch of coaching requests too. I'm getting you guys scheduled. Thank you for your patience on that. Please keep that coming as well. And again, if you have any questions, let me know and I'll do my best to help you. So with that being said, I have many more of these to film. I'll also be starting my next human nurture uh, series uh, this weekend as well. Uh, So yeah, I'll see you guys tonight.